Gilio is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. Dennis Cox is the producer of this program. I'll, I'll be surrounded by all sorts of TV people. Brian Murphy, WREL investigative reporter, will join us in about 10 minutes uh, on a couple different matters, including the current status of the gambling bill. It would be nice to have at some point here soon. And NIL, as multiple states have gone through this process of just telling the schools, just do whatever it is you want to do. North Carolina actually has a governor's executive order that prevents schools from just doing what it is they want to do. So kind of get an update on where things stand on a couple of matters uh, here in North Carolina. In the meantime, let's answer some Hey Joe questions. Joe cracked it on. All right, hey, Joe, brought to you by Oak City Sports Cards, oakcitycards.com. All right, first question comes from Michael. Hey, Joe, are Islanders fans all Mets fans? <laughs> <laughs> the vibes are similar. The vibe, the vibes are similar. Um, with New York fandom, I know it. there's lines that are drawn. Like, if you're a Mets fan, chances are you're a Jets fan. Right, yeah, that's a get. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and again, you're probably an Islanders fan, and then you tend to be a – I think the Knicks are just universal. But in terms of the other side, you are a Yankees, Giants, Rangers fan. Mm-hmm. Yes. I only know of one inverse when it comes to the Mets and the Giants – and that would be Mike Ewald here at the radio station from New York. And the reason why he's a Mets fan is because, as with most baseball fandom, he was born into it. Sure. His family's a bunch of Mets fans. But they don't care about football. Mm. So he got to choose. He was not born into the life of the Jets. So he gets to be the Mets guy and the Giants guy. It's just it's the strangest thing, right? The strangest that, thing. It feels gross. It does. It, I guess it does. Yeah. I guess it does. So as far as the Islanders are concerned... Well, yeah, man, it's it's Long Island. I mean, what are you going to do? It's 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 kind of the same, you know, Billy Joel esque, you know, Jets Mets vibe. Yeah. Um, but it's also one singular force of New York fandom, in that it gets a little knuckle draggy with the analysis. It gets physical, and then they start complaining about getting called for penalties. Well, guys, stop doing stupid stuff. And maybe you won't get called for penalties. And that's the reaction after Game Four. It, it, it's weird. It's if it looks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, yeah, um, yeah. No, I. It, it's almost when I think of like how it, it just. I feel it feels like something that's just like you know baked within you. That where it's like the lines of fandom in terms of like those mass cities that oh, are yeah, that yeah, where they're all just like put together. So yeah, I, I. I honestly did not know. Like I thought you were born and like in the cradle in the like little baby bin, whatever it is mm-hmm. in the hospital that you're in. They hand you like a little card in New York that says congratulations, you. You're a Jets fan. Yeah. And then it just it's like falls onto the list. But no, I mean, look, um, I only have most I have most familiarity with Jets fans because grew up in South Florida, you get the Dolphins and the Jets, and there's so many, you know, as they call them, snowbirds yep. that are living down there. You get a lot of Jets fans that show up to the Orange Bowl or Joe Robbie Stadium for these AFC East matchups. So like Giants football fans, to me, I'm like, I don't know any Giants football fans. It's always been Jets fan. I've always been surrounded by Jets fans mm-hmm. and their constant state of complaining. And I guess that's maybe what it is with the Islanders as well. They're just in a constant state of complaining. It feels like a really unfortunate life to live. It kind of does. I mean, the Canes Twitter account, I guess they knew what they were doing, but they oh, had tweeted out like, imagine living, you know, having to live in Long Island or something like that. And all these people got super, super mad. But I'm thinking to myself, how many of those people who are mad at the Canes account actually live here now? That's I'm a, just, I'm just saying. Well, 
I mean, I see I see all the the Rangers fans at Ranger Canes games. Yes, is it the same with the Islanders? If you like, where yeah. you see a bunch of Islander fans. At oh, Canes I know. Games? I know. Shout out to Tom. Tom knows who I'm talking about. I'm talking <laughs> about him. So again, it's like he grew up an Islanders fan. Yeah. So when I saw him for Game One, I'm like, he's wearing all Canes gear. I'm like. I know secretly you got some Islanders gear under that stuff. He's like, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how the see. we'll see how the series goes. Uh huh. All right, next up. Now lean back. Uh-huh. Lean back. From Joshua, hey Joe, which one y'all believe would get more support in the triangle? NFL team, Major League Baseball team, or a MLS team? Oh, interesting. I have no idea. Scrap MLS out of here. <laughs> no. Yeah. That uh, that would be a novelty uh, for a bit, just like it's been a novelty in Charlotte uh, with uh, Charlotte FC. Um, the NFL is clearly the correct answer. It's the NFL. Yeah. All right. That's going to get the most amount of support. Low key, though, I do think a Major League Baseball team would get supported here in North Carolina. Uh, it would get supported around here. It's the perfect time for it in the summer. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's a long history with baseball in the state, and you see the support that, you know, what our company gets with the Durham Bulls. Uh, you got the Mudcats as well. You got the Salamanders. Again, we own the Coastal Plain League as a company. So the Salamanders, uh, a wood bat instructional league, gets good town support. So I've always felt that baseball, of all these sports, taking the NFL out of it because we already have an NFL team, uh, given the choice between Major League Baseball and MLS, I would take Major League Baseball in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think that would be better supported. Agreed. And I think it's because... MLB is so much of like just an event to go and like sit and like watch a game yeah. and all this stuff. But my my question with that because I and I, I agree the NFL is far and away the, of the pick because this is something I've always just been curious about. Whenever a new team is added, mm-hmm. right? If an NFL team is added to Raleigh, into the RDU area, the Skyhawks are back <laughs> yeah, as an NFL the, team. That's exactly what it is. Yes. What happens to Panthers fans? Like, do you do you stay in with the Panthers or do you lean no, more towards? No, you probably you probably you probably appreciate both. I mean, we've already we already had that here, true, because with the regional nature of the NFL and who got played on the regional one o'clock games, mm. this was Washington Redskins territory for a very very long time. Yeah. Washington Commanders territory for a very very long time, and it it took about. I mean, Panthers came online in 1995. I would say it took about until they got to the Super Bowl under Jake DeLome for it to like actually somewhat take a little bit of hold and create actual fans. Uh, and then of course that was followed up with uh, with Cam Newton and their Super Bowl run. So it, it it takes a couple generations for that to shift over. So I don't think they just instantly become Raleigh Skyhawks fans because it's here. And look, with MLS, it's a very simple thing for me. It's you know, American sports fans are accustomed to watching the best, all right? And MLS, unfortunately, is not the best that soccer has to offer. Mm-hmm. That actually resides in the English Premier League. Or Across if, the pond. Or if you want to get into the more international scene, you can watch the Champions League and all that kind of stuff. Um, I think there are more people interested in the ongoings of Ryan Reynolds and Wrexham and that coming to Keenan. Great story. It's an amazing it's story. It's awesome. It's an awesome story. And Keenan with the Chelsea game is going to be off the charts fun to watch, even though we know we're not getting the A-teams showing up, although Wrexham would probably have their A-team because that's what they are. But still, I think more people are interested in those stories than they are in MLS teams. Yeah. So, next up. Yeah. From Aaron, hey, Joe, should any other actors – 
even bother to compete for Emmys this year opposite of Kieran Culkin and Sarah Snook? It's a more rhetorical question. It's a, it's a, a succession. A succession question. Do you watch succession? I actually don't. Um, That's fine. But anyway, it's been it's it's on the list. It's on the watch list. Okay. I mean, it's wrapping up after the season, so you can. Which I'll, I'll just binge it. Just binge the whole. I'm, I'm, the I've whole soaked thing. up a lot, like through osmosis in social media. So, pro tip: when you watch Succession, none of the characters are good people. Good. There are no. There's no protagonist. There's like nobody it. that you feel sympathetic. They're all like you have like good. these weird flashes of oh, I hope something good happens. Maybe things will something like will work out for this person. And then they'll do something that makes you go, I hate this person. I, I love feeling bad when I watch TV shows. Yeah, That's no, perfect. The, the show is an amazing send-up of the ultra-rich and that whole world. And there's not a single redeemable character on the show. And once you once you understand that, the show is actually very entertaining to watch. Good. Because we're conditioned to, th- oh, here's the redeemable here's, character. Here's the good guy. Here's the one who successions. No, that's not how this works. Okay. That's not how it works at all. Uh, but if I had to give the Emmy to anybody, it would be to Shiv. It would be to Sarah Snook, who's done amazing work this season. All right, next up. Whoa. From Stanford. Hey, Joe, is the best part of the transfer portal when players do interviews recapping why things didn't work out at their previous place? <laughs> I like how it's just from Stanford. <laughs> uh, well, th- that was an actual th- – that's not like – a question by Harrison Ingram. I think that's just in general of what we've been getting because like today's thing was about DJ Uyunglele oh, and yeah. Clemson. So DJU is now at Oregon State. Okay, he's back on the West Coast, and he did an interview with Bruce Feldman of the Athletic, where he laid out his issues about his time at Clemson, and Clemson fans were like, "All Dabo ever did was stand up for you," and I'm like, "Okay, what did DJ say?" Because I saw it from the Clemson perspective first. Yeah. All right. Like Larry Williams at Tiger Illustrated wrote a subscriber-only piece about, this is what DJ got wrong. I'm like, okay, what did he say? So I read this piece, and it's like, you know, all Clemson ever did and all Dabo did was back him up, and Brandon Streeter, who got fired as the offensive coordinator, stepped up and all this other stuff. I'm like, okay, man, DJ Uyunglele must have, like, let it rip. So I go and read the Bruce Feldman story, and all he did – was rightfully point out that they were not running an offense that was conducive to success. That's all he said. He's like, yeah, you know, I want, like, why are we running these things? Why am I running more? I don't want to run. Like, that's, not what he, that's not what he was about. Right. And I'm sitting here reading this, and I'm going, based on everything that I read from Clemson fans the last two seasons, he's very much repeating all the things that I saw them say about an unimaginative offense. And it led to a question of, well, is it unimaginative because DJ Uyunglele cannot run this offense? If that's the case, then why don't you put Cade Klubnik in if he's the future? Of course, as we come to find out, it was still unimaginative with Cade Klubnik. Weird. 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 And then what did they do at the end of the season, Lewis? What did they do at the end of the season, Joe? They fired the offensive coordinator. Weird. So what would that tell you? That Mm. maybe the offense was bad. Bad. So, I don't know. People just want nothing but sunshine. That's the problem. Soft. Soft. (laughs) That's No, that's what that is. Soft. You got you to gotta take criticism, okay? If, you're, if your former starting quarterback is upset, oh, okay, so be it. Like, I'm, why, why do you care? Rent-free, soft. He's, he's, he's literally about as far away from Clemson, yes. still playing college football, yes. as possible. So when do we get the Caleb Love uh, post-mortem? <laughs> okay, not, not yet, not yet. <laughs> take a deep are we, breath. Are, we, deep not, breath. are we not ready for that? I, I think maybe maybe a little bit, little bit of time. I do, right. I do love, it's fun. 
seeing Caleb Love like interact with UNC on social media in ways. Yeah. I think it was Seth uh, Seth Trimble mm-hmm. was like there was some kind of tweet where he he put it out like someone was like oh we still need to hear what Seth Trimble is going to be doing and he's like what are you talking about man I'm, I'm like I'm right I'm here. here and Caleb Love likes it and like it's it, you know it was it was best for everyone but I will look forward to to that all, story when it comes all out. I ask is that it drops whenever the canes are out of the playoffs content space it out yeah okay because it can be a really long off season so space it out give me that content when we got nothing else going on it's the OG alongside Luis Fernandez WREL I'm Joe Ovias Julia was out today we'll be back tomorrow we'll check in with Brian Murphy WREL investigative reporter on a couple of matters from gambling to NIL next The draft is this week. Yeah. I'm already over it. Nah, I'm <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. Um, honestly, we, we know what the Panthers are doing. They're going to take Bryce Young. We know that's going to happen. The question is really about what happens after that, and that's where things start getting a little spicy because mm-hmm. you have what's going to happen on draft night and also like for you know who's getting drafted. And also there's the lingering matter of Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about him. Because what does Aaron Rodgers love to do? Be dramatic. Absolutely. Have all the attention on him. So, what better night than draft night for some new Aaron Rodgers stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I part of me still thinks he has like this like deep seated like scar within him of falling so far in the draft and maybe. having all the wrong attention on him. Maybe. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's the case. But yeah, I know the last couple of days there has been some indication that the Niners have entered the chat, and I know that Aaron Rodgers went on the Pat McAfee show back in mid March and said, "My intention is to play with the Jets." And the Jets have been making moves right down to hiring the offensive coordinator, Nathaniel Hackett, who got the Denver Broncos job because they thought that would get Aaron Rodgers to Denver. Didn't work out that way. So they're making all these moves for Aaron Rodgers with it entirely possible that he doesn't show up. Would that not be the most Aaron Rodgers thing? I, would it be more Aaron Rodgers or would it be more Jets like thing? You know what I mean? Like that's ooh. Like because it feels very Jets for that, that is, to happen. Oh yeah, that's a very good point, Lewis. That would be very Jets. Things to think That's about. a very, very Jets thing to do. So we'll, we'll see what happens on Thursday night. Joining us on the Heaster Automotive Group Hotline, WRL investigative reporter Brian Murphy. Murph, it's been a while since we chatted. Uh, you know, I'm starting to worry. The reason why we're talking right now is because I was told that everything was cool with the gambling bill. Why I haven't heard anything about the gambling bill? It's not, like, official yet. It hasn't even approached... The yeah, governor's yeah, office. What's so, going on, dude? Just wondering if we need to read it differently. Yeah, it's it's in limbo at the moment. Uh, I, I don't think that means that it's not going to pass. I just think the Senate is working on a whole bunch of things. And as I reported last week, they, they may be looking at adding casinos and video lottery terminals as well. Um, so we might go from very little gambling in the state to a whole lot of gambling. Why can't we just get the mobile sports wagering bill first, and then they can worry about the other stuff? Don't do anything to get people mad. Well, right. I think if all that got added to the sports gambling bill, it might collapse under its own weight. And I'm not sure that that casinos would have a whole lot of support if if you pulled members of the legislature. So I do think in the end, sports gambling has by far the best chance of getting through. This Brian, this feels like when you're at Golden Corral and you're trying to put food on your plate because you're so excited, and then you accidentally end up putting too much food on your plate, and then you spill it all over yourself. I needed that yeast roll. What are you talking about? I, I'm, I'm more of a chocolate fountain kind of guy mm. myself. Um, what, 
so so what what needs to happen next then? How how do how does all of this continue to hopefully come together? I'm more of a Ryan's guy. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> right, so 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 when we go in a crossroads, Brian, we got to hit that Ryan Steakhouse. Let's go. I, I, as a child, I went there many 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 times. <laughs> as a teenager, um, it's one way my mom could feed me. Uh, I, I think you know the legislature is dealing with a whole bunch of stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the budget is going to come out on the Senate side in the middle of May. And that's when things really start to happen in the legislature is, is around the budget. And so I would imagine that that we're looking at a couple more weeks. I mean, the good news is that, that this isn't going into effect until January. So the, the time that it's taking here mm-hmm. is not going to cost uh, any any gamblers any opportunities. Okay. Um, but it would be nice, I, I think, for people who are proponents of this to get it done, get it passed. Uh, and start setting up the, the regulations that are going to have to go into place. Brian Murphy, WREL investigative reporter, joining us here on the OG. You say the, the NCGA has got a lot of stuff going on. I've seen the stuff that they're working on. I don't think anybody really <laughs> wants it. What are you talking about? People want the gambling. This other stuff, it's it's for the clicks. Let's be real. Um, speaking of things that the governor's office would have to be involved in, I have noticed across the country that states are just kind of like saying, screw it with NIL. Like, do I have this right? They're just essentially saying, hey, schools, here's this new amendment, and we're going to change our name, image, and likeness uh, requirements or lack thereof, and you figure it out. We'll just let you do what is what you want to do. It's, that's not how it works in North Carolina, right? Right. Like Arkansas, Colorado, Oklahoma have pretty much just opened the floodgates and said, schools, whatever you need to do on NAL, you go ahead and do it. And in some of those cases have basically said the NCAA has no jurisdiction here. Mm. Um, I was reading one of the bills that was like the NCAA can't even open a complaint, much less <laughs> much less investigate you for well, an NIL violation. So for quick context here, what's important in that statement is that the NCAA has changed their own bylaws and essentially said, we presume guilt with any NIL deal and you have to prove otherwise. So I guess the states are going, yeah, it doesn't even matter what you think. Right. And then, I mean, that's such some, you know, really interesting legal challenges mm. between the NCAA and the states if, if it ever gets to that. But uh, one of the key senators, Amy Gailey, who's the chairwoman of the Senate Higher Education Committee, so pretty powerful, um, basically came out last week and said Governor Cooper should get rid of the executive order that he put in place right after NIL passed at the NCAA level and, and because it's leading to confusion. Um, now, I called both UNC and NC State. Neither one, shockingly, wanted to get involved in this. Um, the governor's office says they haven't been asked to, to take away this, uh, this executive order at all. But the senator seems to indicate that, look, we don't want to do anything. If, if they can do it in Florida, they can do it in Kentucky, they can do it in Missouri, then they should be able to do it in North Carolina. And so we may be reaching a tipping point where states not wanting to put their schools at a competitive disadvantage start loosening the rules even more when it comes to NIL. Where's Mark Emmert when you need him? <laughs> well, got, well Charlie, Baker, yeah, Charlie, Charlie Baker Baker's is on his hands that. and knees begging Congress to solve this problem for him. Well, because- at, that, at, this, at this point, Brian, like I just I feel like we're we're just closer and closer to the NCAA just collapsing. Like I just that feels like the end game, right? Like, well, I, yeah, the NCAA really. I mean, this this is actually in some ways probably pushing the NCAA even more into the arms of Congress, saying, "Look, if if Arkansas has one rule and New York has another rule and California has another rule and, and Washington has another rule, then the only way we can get our arms around this is if Congress passes something. Uh, Congress, I, which I covered for a long time, 
does not really like to deal with this no. stuff. I mean, there, there's no like easy answer. There's no easy win for Congress. And if there's no easy win for Congress, then they typically just wash their hands. Uh, and that also, I guess, begs the question, as a school president or in the case of Charlie Baker before that, Mark Emmert, why are you getting paid what you get paid? Like, it's your job to come up with the consensus. It's your job to have the schools working in concert with the states to make everything look like it's somewhat similar. And it's just not going in that direction. I think in a lot of ways, the NCAA sort of lost its moral, whatever moral high ground it had on this. I mean, <laughs> it, it, the Yeah, I mean, the states have just sort of realized, like, you know, you can't, there's nothing you can do. Like right. you're, you're begging for Congress, the government to enter, to, to interfere in some of the stuff. So you're not going to pull championships from our state. You're not going to investigate our teams. Like the NCAA really has no leverage over, over states or schools at this point. And so I don't know what the end game is. I mean, it's the end game that the SEC and the big 10 become so powerful. They decide they don't need the, 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 the NCAA. I mean, you know, we can go down many, many rabbit holes mm. on this, but but I think we still need the NCAA to administer all these championships. Um, that's that's kind of important. No, that's exactly it. Brian Murphy, WRAL, WRALsportsfan.com, investigative reporter. Thanks for the gambling update. I was starting to sweat. <laughs> I'll keep you updated. All I right, promise. thank you, thank you. Look, man, we need we need the gambling money. <laughs> I don't gamble, but like, not for me. I don't I don't gamble, but you know, company likes money. What? So let's let's do this. Just saying, let's do this.